Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> a little uh, static there, huh? I think that was me. Anyway, uh, I'd like to welcome all you new visitors that are here, whether you're online or here. We're glad you could join us for the service. Uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Pete while he and his wife, Julie, are on a well-deserved vacation. Praise the Lord. Yes. Now, you, you probably thought, some of you thought that Pastor Sean was going to be here, and he was, except his family uh, got hit with COVID. So could you please be praying for him and his wife and, and kids to, for uh, healing? Um, my name is Mark White. I'm one of the, the pastors here, and it is a pleasure to be able to serve you by giving the Word of God, which I love to do. You know, we as a church that a church that believes in teaching through books of the Bible. So the book that we are going through now is Gospel of John, right? And it is our Believe series, which is very, very important to refocus our attention. Just like what uh, Pastor Brian was talking about as far as repentance and revival, the only way that revival happens is that you have a belief system that adheres to what the scriptures are so that your heart can be enriched with what the, how the scriptures want you to act. You know, we are going to spend the rest of this year and into next year in the Gospel of John. So I would encourage you to be reading through it so that as we're reading through it, that you can believe each and every different selection of scripture that we go through. Now, next week is the wedding at Cana, uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I would encourage you to read that ahead of time. And I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Pete does have questions that he makes to be able to give people so that you can go through those particular questions before you come to the study. So it prepares your heart to be enriched with what the scriptures have to say. Now, if, if you don't get those questions, you can email me or the church at info at newvision.city, info at newvision.city, and I will put you on the list to email you those questions the week before so that you can study and prepare your heart for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your continued faithfulness in our lives. We thank you for your word that guides us and directs us, and uh, we thank you so much for this particular series and this, this, uh, your, the gospel of John is so rich with the truths of, uh, Jesus of who you are. We can't live without it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. amen. So it may be that, uh, I have a confession to make as I was printing out my notes all of a sudden, two-thirds of them disappeared. So 
you know, when you pray and you ask and God gives you that scripture, well, when you are weak, then, you know, you, you, you're, you're strong in me. You got to depend on me to be able to do these particular things. And so that's what I'm relying on. And I'm sure, you know, God's word is true no matter what. So open up your Bible to John chapter 20, verses 30, uh, 30 through 31. And I'm just going to reintroduce or redirect you on this, this aspect of believing. And I think this scripture, it very much sets the point of being able to press us to read through the book even over and over again so that the scriptures can be enriched into our heart. And it says there in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Notice that. Notice that this is towards the end of the book. There's one more chapter. But what, is, what he says there is, why I have written this is that you may believe. Kind of like a foreword to a book that it kind of introduces you to a book. Well, this is John the Apostle saying that I want you to understand that these things are written for the purpose of belief. And it's not just believe in Jesus Christ, although that is part of it, right? Believe in Jesus Christ and that believing you may have life in his name. When we think of this being written, we're talking about the inspired word of God, right? I don't know how much time you really spend in the word of God. But the emphasis of believe in the midst of this series is that the scriptures become the final destination of what you do with your thoughts, what you do with your actions, how you implement things in your life, that you're weighing things out according to the scriptures. So specifically, when he says he's looking back, he's looking back at chapters 1 through 20. But when you think of the scriptures and you think of believing, we're thinking about the spiritual aspect of our life. Okay, these aren't just words on a page, although they are, right? But they are inspired by who? God. And they are written through the avenue of the Holy Spirit. Holy men of God that were moved by the Holy Spirit wrote these things down. And so John's goal there, as he says there, is that each one may believe. Now, when you think of Jesus as the Christ or Jesus as God, it's, it's, it's much more than that when you think of your lives, right? It's, 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 it's what is Jesus doing in your life that actually makes a difference? Now, believe does not mean just a mental assent, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, brother, no problem. You know, I believe in God. I believe in this. But, you know, uh, I was raised uh, a Catholic and nothing against Catholics or anything. But I went to the first Holy Communion and I did all those particular things. I even got a little Bible. I never read it, but, you know, I was, you know, but I never got taught, you know, well, what does this mean to believe? Um... I can tell you that my belief system 
was so weak that I lived all the way till I was 31 years old of living for myself, for Mark. If someone walked up to me and said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I would say, yes. Yeah, I believe in him. They might even ask me, do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection? Yes, I believe in that. But the aspect of taking that belief system and then being able to institute what does that encompass because you're talking about God, right? You're talking about Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, as, as Pete mentioned last time, he mentioned that believe is mentioned 100 times in the Gospel of John. That was his big emphasis. You know, and believe is not just a mental ascent, but it, it's also coupled with faith. In fact, the same word is interchangeable, faith and believe. And when you have a strong faith, you can notice it in a person's life, can't you? And you can actually notice it in your own life when you have a weak faith. I mean, uh, you know, one thing that I think that uh, COVID kind of revealed to, for a lot of people was how strong is your faith? How strong is it when you're going through the temptations and the difficulties and the things that are happening in your life? Where are you putting your faith? What are you actually believing in? And as a, as a counselor, when I'm talking to people, I'm, the first thing I like to ask them is, you know, what, what do you really believe about Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be saved? And we're going to get to that in John chapter 3, which is only in the Gospel of John when we talk about Nicodemus and what it means to be born again, that it is anything but a mental assent that, yes, I believe in him. Um, I mean, um, when you, when you, if you were to walk down the street, go over to the park and ask people, you know, hey, do you believe in God? Yep. Do you believe in Jesus? Yep. But then when you start getting into the nitty gritty of how that belief system uh, goes with their relationship of what they know about the word, it's so lacking. You know, I do a lot of, you know, uh, marriage counseling. And when I do marriage counseling, the particular aspect I like to ask is, okay, well, what premarital counseling did you go through? Was there anyone that invested into your life to show you what you need to believe in order to have a relationship that accords with Jesus Christ and his particular principles? And most of the time, there's problems, there's difficulties, they don't know how to handle things, is because they do not have the understanding of what the Bible says about that. And for other people, as I talk to them, they, you know, the, when, when they tell me about who Jesus is and what he is, they, it's kind of like Plato. You know, they're molding him and shaping him. Well, my God, you know, he wouldn't send me to hell. And, you know, their aspect of sin or their aspect of it's totally deficient. And so it's easy to say that I believe, but it's totally different when it comes to looking at the scriptures and trying to understand um, how does this affect my life? How is, what am I believing? 
you know, when he says there that I would like it, that you may believe, that's what he says there. But these things I have written that you may believe that he has, he wants the scripture to make an impact on the individual's life because he's writing this out. And here he is in the 20th chapter and he's saying, hey, these words are the things that'll help you to be able to believe. You can build your life on it. He gives you, John gives you the understanding or providing the means to be able to build your belief system. Now, uh, when I have a, you know, a new believer that comes to know the Lord, I usually direct them to the aspect of the gospel of John because it's very, uh, because if you don't have Jesus Christ is being God and understand that particular thing, then everything else is going to fall apart because you can't have salvation apart from you believing that Jesus is God and that he as God was nailed to the cross and he died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day for us to be able to have life. And as John chapter three, he'll say that you become born again. But then I have to, how does this affect your life? If Jesus is the center, right? We have to be in him in order for things to correlate. Now, uh, let's turn over to a scripture. Uh, keep your finger there. I just want to, <coughs> in 2 Timothy chapter 3, one of my favorite scriptures, Paul writes and says, as he talks about the, the Bible, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God or breathed out by God. And it is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching or your, your theological understanding of what you believe. So Paul points to the scripture and says, this is what's going to give you the doctrine or teaching. Reproof is going to tell you what's wrong. You want to know what's wrong with your life? You got to look to the scripture. He will reprove you and tell you what's wrong. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, but also for correction. It's profitable for correction. In other words, to make things right. This, is all, this word is used in the New Testament all for setting a bone to make it correct. And now when we're thinking of correction, and we're thinking of correction that's according to Scripture, it's according to God's standard. That's why the rebuking is according to God's standard. It's according to teaching is according to God's standard points us always back to the scriptures that the for instruction in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, every good work. So when I think of my belief system and your belief system, and we're looking at the particular scripture that the scriptures are going to guide us, direct us, correct us in the way that we're going to be able to think and understand is that I have to trust in his word. Now, the way that you know that you trust in his word is that you are in his word. <laughs> you have to be in his word. And his word is telling us, this is who Jesus is. He, and John is saying, this is what I want you to believe in. You know, um, 
Sometimes that's the thing that gathers the most dust, you know, on our shelf. But it shouldn't because what has to happen in our belief system is that our hearts need to be changed. Amen. See, our hearts are very corrupt, come on, come on. you know. Um, it wasn't until, you know, when I was 31 years old is when I finally, you know, God gave me a wake-up call and I was, you know, sitting in prison, you know, for four years. But that was the best thing that could ever happen to my life. That is where I picked the Bible up off the floor, started reading it, and I was building my belief system. Wow. Look at these stories and look at how these things in the New Testament and how it in, Jesus impacted the lives of others. That can be me. That can, I could be set free and praise God. You know, I went through my four years and I never went back to those drugs and those particular things is because I built my belief system. That's what we have to do. When you think of scripture, you have to think of it more than just words on a page. This is not like any other book. It's inspired by God. Now, I read a lot of books, you know, Pastor Pete, and we do with the, the pastors, we read books. But none of those books are inspired by God. They may have inspirational points and things and even have scriptures in them. But none of them have the promise that God has written this and he will fulfill his word in your life if you are willing. And if you are willing to put forth the effort to do it. You know, we, we, we don't want to be, you know, uh, your buddy's not going to stand next to you. Your husband, wife is not going to stand next to you when you're next, when you're standing before God. It's all going to be you and him and what you have done with his word. How has it impacted your life? Did, oh, did you believe that? You know, just like, you know, I, I found it very interesting. <laughs> Then I go to print the notes, you know, and they're, they're all, you know, I, oh, oh, oh I, I guess I'm going to have to practice this belief system that God's going to help me through this. You know, that the, this isn't some abstract truth. You know, you know how we live in a society today that, yeah, well, it's what you believe and how you this and, you know, and uh, we never have to do that. It's not up to your opinion. It's not up to the pastor's opinion. It's up to God's opinion. And his opinion is, is strictly, uh, is that you drive that, that scripture home in your heart and then it will change your behavior. Amen. Now, I want to tie this together as we think about this particular aspect as we finish up John chapter 1 is... Um, the time of uh, the first disciples, okay? That's, that's what I kind of think of this as, is that these are the first disciples. Number one, you know, when I think of the first disciples is that uh, it was John the Baptist and discipleship and him passing the baton. If you look at uh, verse 35 through 37, and again, the next day John stood with his two disciples and looking at Jesus 
as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. We are a disciple-making church. And these particular principles that are instituted within these particular disciples are very key for each one of us. Now, John there is John, obviously, John the Baptist. We just talked about that last week. As John pointed out, here is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, what great news. And, you know, it, it doesn't have the exact same impact on us because they were waiting for centuries for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come. Before that, all the sins and everything had to be done through killing a lamb and go through the priest and, you know, uh, all those ritualistic type things that that's what God had as a pattern before or a shadow of things of when Jesus would come and he would be the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. I love that take away you know, that when we think of discipleship, and I think of helping people understand something, is that one of the key components is that Jesus takes away your sin. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to sin again. You know, some of us have some difficulties, you know, with running back to the same old thing, you know. Uh, you know, uh, God's got to use a two-by-four, then a four-by-four, then, you know, he's, he's got he's to do some work in each one of our lives to get our attention so that we can build our belief system. All of it has to do with our believing and implementing it in our life. Amen. So this, this here where it says uh, uh, his two disciples, this is the first time in the Gospel of John the disciple is mentioned. Uh, the, the, the word uh, mathetes, it also is used in the Old Testament, which, which is a, a, a Greek, Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint. But discipleship has been happening since the days of Moses. You know, people training other people and training other people and passing the baton of trying to help someone. I grow you, you grow someone else. And so as John here, he's, he's standing there, he stood there on verse 35 with his two disciples. And those two disciples are Andrew, and it's believed that it's John the Apostle that's standing there with him. So we know that just looking at this particular aspect is, is that John the Baptist was discipling these particular individuals, now, if you read much about Jan John the Baptist, he was kind of a let's get in your face type guy. You know, he, in fact, let's, let's take a look to the left here. Let's go to Luke chapter 3 so I can read a few verses. Our discipleship is a lot milder than this, okay? Um, uh, verse 2, while Ananias and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, which he was a high priest, in the wilderness. 
And he went into the region around the Jordan preaching baptism of repentance. We were just talking about that, right? For the remission of sin or how to get rid of sin. For it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. The first thing I want you to notice there is that John went to scripture to even find his calling. God used scripture to identify with him. Hey, you're the one that's going to be in the wilderness. You're the one that's going to be doing my work. And so that is with each one of us. I'm not talking about ministry as far as that, although I I include that. But how God uses scripture to be able to direct you in what you should do. Then, verse 7, then he said to the multitudes that came out and baptized with him, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we, are, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children from Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit, he cuts it down and is thrown into the fire. So the people asked him saying, what shall we do? Now, the idea of preaching and the idea of discipleship, which this is part of discipleship. This is just part of discipleship. Because we all need one-on-one type discipleship or even group discipleship. You know, we, we need that to facilitate the way that God orchestrates things to implant into each one of our hearts the word of God. I need you just as much as you need me. You know, pastors are not above, you know, getting told, you know what, hey, you need to correct a little bit of stuff right here. You know, you're, you're getting off base right here, you know. We all need each other. That's what the body of Christ is. Now, John, as he's teaching this, I could see that um, John the Baptist is teaching. I could see Andrew and also uh, the Apostle John is standing there watching this guy, you know, direct the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were like the religious people who, oh, they were holier than thou, and just laying it on the line, showing that there needs to be a direct confrontation with certain individuals. I wouldn't particularly do it this way, but uh, sometimes you might, you know. You might have to get right in their face to be able to help them to understand that you're living in sin. You missed the point. You missed it. Jesus wants us to be able to encourage people, and it says in Ephesians, you know, that we are to lovingly correct one another, you know, but Andrew and also uh, John were being taught by, um, by John the Baptist. Now, you don't see in here where there's uh, sit, ta- sit down times, 
But I can imagine, you know, sitting by the fire and talking with them, answering their questions, just like we're going to see as we read through the Gospel of John of how Jesus took an interest in his disciples because he was giving the word, which none of it, it was his word. It was from the Father. The Father gives Jesus the word, and then he, he implements it in sharing it with the disciples, which he was going to be teaching. And we're going to see that throughout the book, that the Father orchestrated these particular things. So as you see in verse 1, you know, on the next day, John was standing with his two disciples and looking at Jesus walk by, he said, behold the Lamb of God. So what was John doing there? He was passing the baton. He knew, as you've read earlier, you know, as, uh, as we were uh, taught earlier, that he must decrease, Jesus must increase. And so he already knew that, you know what, I'm passing it on to you. I prepared the way. I gave some instruction about repentance and baptism and trying to help people to redirect their lives. And now he was passing it off to Jesus Christ to be able to, to deal with them, which you'll see they're calling an actual call later on. Now, they followed him. It's just like you were following someone down the, down the hall. This is not the actual call. But it is, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And then they, they followed after him. Because, I mean, you could imagine preaching about the, the, the Lamb who was going to come, the one who's going to save from sin. And you know what? Hey, you're right there. And here comes the Lamb of God. And boom. They want to go with him. So they followed him. He passed the baton. And that's sometimes that's with each one of us. I want us to think about that. You got enough information or you have enough scripture in you to be able to pass on to someone else. Everybody does. Well, well, if you're not saved, then that's a different story. But, you know, when you have scripture, you have the word of God. God wants you to be able to pass it on to someone else. Number two, the aspect of the first disciples is Andrew the seeker. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? This is Andrew and John. And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. <clears throat> they came and saw uh, where he was staying and reminded him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two of the, the herd, John, speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own uh, brother, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And when he brought him to Jesus, now when Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, translated stone. Andrew is one that you will see that you, he, you don't read a whole bunch uh, of him in the gospel, but I want you to notice a, a particular characteristics of Andrew that we could learn from. One is that, you know, he, he wanted to follow Jesus. He had no problem doing that. 
The other aspect, what I would look at is that, you know, he is the one that when he found out, he boldly went to his brother and told him about, hey, I have found the Messiah. I don't know if you, you all watch The Chosen, but I like the way that they portray this particular thing of trying to get Peter, which Peter, you know, he's a strong-headed mule, and yeah, come on, you know. He, he, they try to, you know, say what kind of things would go in the background. But, <clears throat> but Peter, since he was such a, you know, kind of a, always kind of putting his foot in his mouth kind of guy, he is one that Andrew wanted to get him to be with Jesus. And you'll notice through the, through the New Testament, Andrew is, Andrew is always pulling people and pointing them to Christ. And I think we could learn from that, is that we know people, hey, we need to point them to Christ and even share Christ with them. Now, I think, you know, when you, when you look at verse 42, you know, Simon, you know, Jesus changes his name. I believe this is because uh, uh, Peter is going to be the lead apostle. Okay, and you'll see him. There's uh, three different groups of, of, of uh, leaders and, and groups of people. But Peter is always at the, the top at the first one. And, and, and that he knew that obviously from God-ordained wisdom and guidance, that, you know what, I'm going to make him the leader. And I'm going to move him along. Now, sometimes you, you wonder, you know, why God gave you that strong-willed child, you know. <laughs> the one who won't listen. The one who is just, but guess what? Those are the Peters and Pauls. Those are the ones that really, if trained and encouraged, can actually make a difference. And I think that's why um, uh, Jesus changed his name. And lastly, uh, number three, uh, uh, verses 43, 43 through 51 is uh, Philip the Evangelist. Um, and the following day, Jesus uh, wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city where Andrew and Peter, that's where they lived. <clears throat> Philip found Nathanael and said to him, verse 45, and we found him who is Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, Philip, you'll, as you read through the, even through the New Testament, he is the big evangelist. 
He is taking people and actually witnessing to them and going into different cities and stuff like that. You can read it all the way through, even in the book of, in the book of Acts. But as we think about the, the evangelistic ministry, he wasn't afraid to be able to go to a person and, and share Christ with them. And even when you have opposition, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, that didn't make a difference. Nothing tainted his vigor of wanting to be able to um, bring people to Christ. So here's a few application points. In order to believe, it must be attached to the truths of Scripture. What you're doing is you're developing your knower. You're of, of making sure that you don't only know it, but it is actually worked out in your life. The Scripture just came to mind on this particular point. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said to the, to the crowds there, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And when we think of our belief system, when we think of knowing, that word there, know, there's a lot of different words. There's, I think there's four different words as far as know in the New Testament. And you won't know it by reading it in the English. But this word know, gnosko, has to do the idea of you are knowing by experience. In other words, Jesus is saying, yeah. You say to me, Lord, Lord, you do this, you do that, but you don't experience the relationship with me because you haven't taken the time to get to know me, to believe in me, to take the scriptures and use them to understand me. You know, when you, when you believe, you have a theological understanding of who Jesus is because you've searched him out. Wow. He's a sovereign God. He rules over everything. He's love. He's this. And why do people struggle? When they, because they don't understand. They don't understand the aspects of God. <coughs> Marriages, why do they suffer? It's because they don't understand the aspects of what the scriptures say. Number two, to believe needs to be an active participation on our part. In other words, I'm, I'm reading it, I know it, and I'm not just sitting down. I'm actually doing something with it. You know, putting some shoe leather to your faith, living it out in your life. One of the things that I have learned over the years, and it's actually in the parable of the sower, is that to the... To the uh, the amount that you sow into your life and you do, it will be measured back to you. But if you don't, that's why you see people that backslide and you see people that just lose it is because they walk away from the scripture. They walk away from the church and they start going backwards. And when I, when I was in prison, I, I, I know guys that were on fire for the Lord. And they would be back, you know, they'd get out and they'd be back in two months. What happened, man? 
Oh, well, you know, no, I don't know. I mean, you, you talked the talk, man. You carried the Bible. You, were, you'd, you know more scripture than I do. Intellectually, but not experientially. So every time we experience a life-changing work of that, I know this is what the scripture says, and I'm going to do it. He's going to add to that. You know, like the parable of the talents. And he's going to make you stronger and stronger in that area. Number three, scripture needs to be the, in the first place we run to in trials. <sighs> Sometimes we run everywhere else except for the scriptures. So as we continue on this belief series, I encourage you to be reading through John and to really asking God, how can you impact my heart in the midst of this? Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are the great and awesome God. We thank you that you teach us and guide us and direct us. And we are glad that we have your word. I mean, we'd be lost, Lord, without your word. May you create in each one of us a love for your word, that day by day we crawl up in your lap. We ask you to teach us as we read through your scriptures and that we fall in love with you more and more and more so that we have the peace, as you say in your word, that is beyond understanding. And we just pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.